Looking for a CRM that's more Canadian than apologizing for apologizing? Meet Client Connector. Imagine high-levels genius, now with extra Canadian politeness and a dash of maple syrup smoothness. Courtesy of Blue Cow Marketing's Decade of Wizardry in Business Automation, this is where tech meets Canadian charm. For just $97 a month, you're not buying a system. You're getting a hockey team's worth of support, minus the ice. It's all the CRM power you need, with the personal touch of your favorite local diner. Ready to make your business as smooth as maple syrup and as efficient as a beaver dam? Paddle over to clientconnector.app and let's get your business saying sorry for being so awesome. You know, you hear me talking a lot about content and content is still huge. I mean, it's one of the best ways, biggest ways, most important ways to get your message out to your audience. Today's guest is Mira Cawthon. She's an email marketing strategist and her website, miracawthon.com, is listed in the top 100 sites for solopreneurs in 2020, 2018, and 2017. And I'm so excited to share this conversation with you. Let's get started. Mira, thank you so much for being on the show today. When I read your bio, I was so excited to to have you here because the topic that you cover, which is kind of looking at content in a different perspective, kind of breaking the the misconceptions or or what people have been misaligned with in creating content, email and all that, um, you have a different perspective. Uh, Am I correct? Yes, I do. Absolutely. Excellent, excellent. So before we get into that, give me just a, a quick overview of, of who you are and what you bring to, to the, uh, the marketing world. Yeah, so I, um, I'm a consultant and I work with small business owners and entrepreneurs, um, helping them to create intentional content that drives their message forward, but also to create content that cultivates a relationship with, with the audience. So for me, the the content is not about how to but more about changing the stories that your audience tells themselves which you know i hope we will kind of be diving into that in a lot more but in a gist this is what my zone of genius is and what i help my people with excellent now you said two words in there that stood out to me was was intentional content and then content that builds relationships and i think that's that's key uh, you know, where, where people need to focus. So let's dive in more of the intentional content. I know a lot of clients that I've worked with, they know they need to be making content and a lot of them just make content because of that fact that I should be making it. And there's no really intent behind providing value in that, right? Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Because most of us, we think that um, content is just good practice and we think that it's a nice to have, it's a must have, but we don't really know how content can directly impact the growth of our business. Um, We just don't, we're just not able to make that connection. So if you are, you know, kind of like sitting down, if someone is sitting down wondering, okay, I have to fill my calendar. I don't know, my editorial calendar is empty right now. What am I going to post? Then you already know you're kind of playing the losing game because you don't know what your business goals are, what you're trying to achieve with your business for this quarter or the next six months. And you're not thinking how content can help you get there because ultimately that's what you want to do. Your your content is a bridge 
you know, it cannot exist in a vacuum. So, you know, you have to think, okay, what is this a bridge to? What am I trying to use content to achieve in my business? That's the key question. Okay. Now, how do you go about like identifying the type of content that you should be creating? So um, for me, it's really about um, really diving and peeling back the layers on, firstly, let's take a month or three months, let's say a quarter, you're planning a business. So are there any new offers that you're launching or, or are, are you trying to drive a campaign forward? You know, you're pushing a new product or an old product that you're trying to revive or you're trying to build awareness for something that's coming up maybe six months down the road. So it really depends on what this goal is. Now, once you've identified that, you want to work back on what your audience needs to know or believe in order to take this action. So basically, you are trying to create agency. You're trying to um, give them the information that they need in order to take a decision. Now, this decision could be, no, I don't think this is right for me. I don't think I'm going to hire him or her, or I don't think this offer is right. And, and that's perfectly fine. But you want to put in place those um, systems and you want to create content that helps them even make the decision. Because I think what a lot of us do, we create content, but that content doesn't really incite anyone to take an action it's kind of like a you know it's a nice nice to have it, it kind of gives you like a little bit of a buzz and this is what you see with all of those um nice um you know you've got you go on instagram and you see this nice little graphic with a with a really catchy quote and everyone is like um oh this is great this is amazing but you know that's good but how much of the content that you're creating is actually inciting action um, because content that incites action, that gets them to take an action, that's the one that actually is going to go back and give you those conversions. That's the one that's going to get people thinking about whether they even want to work with you or do business with you. And I think that's the content that we should all be striving to create. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned a lot, especially in one of your books about, you know, email marketing. Uh, and we know with email marketing, you know, you're sending it out to people. How important is it to kind of build that bridge between each piece of content that people get? So it's kind of continuing the story versus, you know, siloed, single focus pieces of content that come out. Yeah. And, and I think with email, a lot of people are, um, you know, they're, they're huge fans of like the newsletter sending like typical newsletter versus, um, I'm a huge fan of creating that journey because I think with any type of content, the main aim is to nudge your audience down to taking that action. So whether it's email, whether it's on a, on a podcast or a YouTube channel, you want to be able to do that with every single piece of content. Every piece of content is a puzzle in this larger brand ecosystem that you're building. It, it tells a story about your brand. It tells a story about your offer. So it shouldn't really be one of those one-off things. And um, with email, people really fall into the trap of sending newsletters. So let me kind of define um, what a newsletter is because... Um, you know, just so that we are all on the same page. So for me, a newsletter is one of those emails that has multiple links. You know, it could possibly have like a little snippet of what you've been working on, what's top of mind. It could have a couple of pieces of uh, a couple of links to your content pieces or stuff you've seen around the web. It could um, also have a link to go and check out your services page or something of that sort. So it's, it's a mixture of a lot of things. Um, and um, the, the the problem with a newsletter is that it 
it doesn't help very much with reinforcing your message. It doesn't help very much with reinforcing your brand. Um, why? Just because of the nature of a newsletter. You know, multiple links, their attention is going to be stretched in so many different directions. And even if they may be clicking around, you know, a lot on those links, they may not necessarily be taking the action that you are prioritizing. So you may think that, all right, I'm going to leave a link to my services page. I hope they go check it out. But they may be clicking elsewhere. So... You know, it's not that you should absolutely not be sending a newsletter. I still send newsletters, but if that's the only type of email you're sending, then that's where I would suggest rethinking your um, strategy when it comes to email because single focus um, emails. Now, when I say single focus, what I'm talking about is um, an email which has like one idea or one theme, one call to action. And multiple emails like this can kind of build up together to kind of create the stream of consciousness that nudges your audience down. Yeah. That makes complete sense. Now, one thing that I've always worried, not worried, but more wondered about or been confused about is how much of the content do you actually put into that email versus enough curiosity to make them click out of it to go, you know, consume the blog post or consume you know, the video or whatever it is that you're linking. How, you know, what's, what's the good mix there? Um, so I like to kind of like reverse it in a sense. So if let's say the content that I'm creating on a blog or um, a podcast or a video is like a how to, then I would switch it around and my email would be about a why. So, you know, it, it's kind of like a reverse angle or if the, um, the video that I'm creating is around the why, or, you know, it's talking about mistakes, then the email that I'm creating would perhaps share a case study or perhaps share a story. So it's still linked. It's still linked to the main theme. It's still linked to the main topic, but it's just that you're sharing a different angle. So what I don't like, and some people still send this, they, you know, like, oh, this is my latest piece of content, go check it out. And that's about it. That's, that's the only thing. So your email is almost like a notification kind of system. And you don't want to do that. I mean, this could have been okay, like maybe seven, eight years ago, but now when there's so much noise and when there's so many people creating incredible content, it's just not going to cut it anymore when you're just using it as like a notification system. Absolutely. And, and there's other ways to, to notify people. You know, you've got push notifications in the browser, text messaging, all that kind of stuff, yeah. you know, even, even on social media. Now, I know you, you've had a, a large focus on, on you know, your, your profitable email system uh, that you have the, you know, we're talking about email nurtures. How does the content, in your opinion, carry over to your social channels? Uh, you know, if you're creating that content in that newsletter, should you then also be posting relevant or, or similar content on your social channels at the exact same time? Um, so Sean, I'll be very honest with you. I'm not a huge social media fan. Um, for me, uh, you know, it's, it's really cre creating content on rented ground, so-called. So I, I always prioritize my emails first, but, um, I always going back to being intentional. I want to see what, what kind of, depending on the social media platform that I'm on, whether it's Instagram or whether it's Pinterest is really identifying why am I on that channel? Or why am I on LinkedIn? So if let's say I'm on LinkedIn, my purpose is to potentially build relationships with um, places or with organizers who I am intending to pitch if I'm going to speak, for instance. Um, that So I'm using LinkedIn for that. Or if I'm on Instagram, it could be more about um, showing a different side to my brand. Or But for me, email, that platform is more about shifting the... Um, 
giving my audience a different perspective. So that's my kind of how I approach the different platforms because it can be really confusing. And people can ask me, you know, wouldn't it be boring if you're kind of saying the same thing, just like in a different format? So if you have an email, then you kind of take that onto Instagram and then you post the same thing on LinkedIn. It, it can get a little bit boring in that sense. So I, I kind of view it in, in, in that way. I view the intent of the platform and what's the role of that platform in my business, whether it's to build relationships, whether it's to kind of show a different side of my brand, whether it's for maybe to kind of give a you know, different perspective or convert people. So yeah, that, that's kind of like my approach. Excellent. Now, Let's dive a little more deeper into kind of the, the mechanics of, of these newsletters, uh, the, these series on email. You know, open rates, obviously the biggest thing. If they don't open the email, the content just doesn't exist to them. Um, how do you go about it in what you do and what you teach people to, you know, get people looking for those emails that are coming in and wanting to open them? What are some of the things that you can do to make people excited about receiving them? Yeah. And um, just to share a really interesting piece of research that I came across a couple of years ago. And um, it basically said that people open, we are, we are also focused on like the subject line, but the reason people open emails is because of who it's from. So they, you know, you think that's the subject line, but it's basically you, your name and, you know, your brand's name. So it's really important in those first few days that someone is on your list. It's the kind of experience that you're creating. Um, and again, drawing on email research, the first um, 36 to 48 hours is when someone is the most engaged with their brand. And it kind of makes sense because, you know, they saw you, something that you said or, or you wrote or, you know, said, whatever, kind of prompted them to sign up. Um, and um, once they sign up, are you sending them anything? And most people, yes, they send a welcome email. But what comes after that? Are you reaching out to them two weeks later, two months later, um, or the next day? Because this is like the golden period where you are fresh on their minds. So you want to kind of cement that um, connection and you want to stand out as someone who they want to hear from. So I think it really goes back to the touch point that you have with them in the very early days that they're on your email list. And this it's kind of a ripple effect that, you know, pulls through because a lot of people who have been with me for a very long time, they always talk about the welcome email series. And, and they always say that um, after that, I just knew I had to keep kind of digging into what else you had. So it's really that first impression. Yeah, first impression is huge. Now, you mentioned the welcome email series and people that have been with you. Let's talk about, about what you do, what you teach, um, how you've built your business. So, um, yeah. And, um, so Sean, just to share, I am like a huge introvert. So I took a long time to get comfortable on video uh, and, you know, for us, the, the space that we're in is really huge on video, but, um, I, I, you know, I, I took my time to kind of embrace that. So a huge mainstay of my strategy was email. Um, it was on showing up on podcasts like this, was on guest posting and basically driving a lot of that traffic back onto my email list. So I knew that that was my home base and that's kind of like my mainstay solid bedrock in a sense. Um, and um, I'm a huge fan of sending when someone is on my welcome email series, there is a certain pathway that I that I take them through. And um 
I want to be creating those light bulb, those aha moments as soon as someone's on my list. So I like to do this at least easily within the first two to three days that someone's on my list. So I'm very intentional with the type of emails that I send and I make sure that it's targeted to what they signed up for. So depending on what they signed up for, I have a couple of different pathways that they may kind of experience my content. So if they signed up for a lead magnet on topic X, then the pathway that I'm going to be taking them on is different from someone else who would come in from another, you know, in another pathway. So um, I want to make sure that there's relevance at every single touch point. So the content that they consumed, the lead magnet that they signed up, the sequence that they're going through, I want to make sure that there is relevance at every single step um, because you don't want to lose them anyway. You know, you work so hard to get that lead. You don't want to lose them um, along the way. Uh, you don't want to have any gaps in the process. Um, and um, yeah, again, going back to um, not just sharing tips, you know, 10 tips or eight tips, but getting them to really rethink certain things that they've been doing or getting them to question um, certain rules that they've believed to be true. So I think when you create, when you take the time to create content like this, it stands out because it stands out from the typical tips and the how-tos that everyone is creating. And um, you kind of move away from the pack and the, the cookie cutter kind of content. So what I, what I think you, I'm hearing you say is that, you know, looking at, at what that entry point is. So for example, on your website, you've got the top banner that pops down about getting the free swipe file for two years worth of email content. You know, somebody that would be attracted to that would be somebody who is like, uh, I'm, I'm struggling with figuring out what type of content to create. That would, I, in my opinion, that would be who would be there. Um, and then thinking most likely, what are some of those questions, concerns, struggles they have and start to talk to that in that first nurture um, going through. So, am I correct in assuming that? Yeah. Is looking at what the mindset is of that person that is attracted at that entry point? Yeah, that is spot on. Um, one, one extra thing that I would add is um, at the, the very first entry point, I always like to target the symptoms and how they show up because it's very likely where you are at is not where, where your audience is at because, you know, you perhaps being two, three steps in and who really knows your kind of expertise, you might be able to figure out, you know, hey, this is the real problem. But if you're going to target the real problem at them when at that first touch point, you're going to lose them because for them, they don't really see that. So they're going to see the symptoms and how do those symptoms manifest? So for me, when it comes to email, the, the one of those first few symptoms is I really don't know what to send. So they may be thinking they need more email ideas, but the real problem is they haven't really thought of, of the strategy. But if I'm going to be talking about strategy up top, then that's where I've completely lost them because it's not a top of mind pain point for them. So one of the things that I always suggest with clients is when they're thinking of lead magnets, think about the symptoms, get them in, and then you can nurture to give them what they actually need. But first, the first touch point should be giving them what they want because that's the only way you're going to resonate with them. I love it. I love that idea. Um, write that down. If you're listening right now, write that down. I mean, that's, that's a huge, um, knowledge drop there to, to think about it that way. So Mira, let's talk about, about your business. Um, how long have you been doing this and what, um, you know, what made you decide to get into this line of, of work? Um, so this is, I think six and a half years going on seven, um, uh, in my business. And, um, I really came into this by accident. I'm, I am like the last person who should have ever been, uh, ever become an entrepreneur. And I'll tell you why it's, um, 
for me, the, the kind of background that I'm, for, I'm from, the so-called pathway or road to success was always paved with like good grades, a college degree, you know, getting a solid corporate job. And, um, and a pretty much a health care, um, I had to go get surgery, had to go get myself fixed, and uh, I couldn't go back to work. So it was, you know, being at home and just going through treatments and then figuring out, okay, I have to do something or do nothing. So I figured out, all right, how am I going to kind of apply my passion in, in marketing and stuff like that, that I was kind of dipping my toes into at corporate. So I started a marketing blog and really just exploring and writing about blogging about gaps that I saw in the marketplace or answering questions that I felt no one was really talking about. And um, that's when I started to build an audience organically. And people were reaching out to me and asking me if I would, was taking clients. Um, and that's pretty much how I, I really began. So I was not the kid at, um, who was enthusiastic about selling lemonade or trading baseball cards or in nothing of that sort. So yeah, pretty much accidental. But, but I, I'm, I'm really happy that it happened this way because I, I love the work that I do. Yeah, there's, there's something you said there about like starting a blog. Um, you know, some of our listeners may be listening to this and say, you know, they've been suggested they should start a blog and, you know, maybe they get a, a WordPress site or a blog site they get for free and they start writing. But how, like, how does that grow? How did that grow for you? You said people started reaching out to you. Were you promoting it in any way or just letting the algorithms find it on, on Google? Oh, no, I was, um, I, so when I started out, I created more content for others versus for myself. So yes, I still blogged um, and I was promoting it on, um, you know, at that time, uh, lots of Facebook groups had like share threads. Um, and I was very specific about this, the, the Facebook groups that I would share my content on. So I would share um, on those um, on groups, you know, and then I... I was very intentional in that I only wanted to have one main traffic platform. So at that time it was Pinterest. So I focused on Pinterest and I would just promote my content there. But a bulk of my work was in pitching uh, and getting on other people's sites. So guest posting, I was really, really doing guest posting very aggressively. And then um, a later on, I would pitch podcasts, or I would do summits. But guest posting was a huge part of my strategy. And a lot of my early audiences um, came from those guest posts. So getting in front of people who already had an audience. Um, and um, finding overlaps between, okay, this is the audience that I want to attract. They have this audience. Let me see how I can serve them with an article. And um, from there, being very intentional with the type of lead magnets that I was offering and then getting those people back onto my base and making sure I had something to send them because most people, they are huge in attracting traffic, but they don't think about, okay, once I get them back, am I sending them anything at all? So I made sure I had that nurture system in place and that there was a welcome email series going out because if it's not, then there's no point in kind of driving all of that traffic back onto your email list. Absolutely. And, you know, on your website and, and in your bio, you, you've written several books. How did that come into play into your, your strategy of, of publishing these books? Um, so, yeah, I, I published my first book, The One Hour Content Plan, in um, 2017. So it was, um, I don't know, I think I was just trying to, re uh, re you know, rebel against the system because, again, everyone was like, you know, um, do premium courses or do this huge membership or um, do more video or whatever. But um, for me, my base has always been and my love has always been the written word, which is why I did a blog. So I thought 
um, why not you know, start self-publishing? And um, the type of books that I've written are not necessarily those that I want to create um, new programs for. Because, you know, when you create a new program, you have to market it and it goes and it, you, you have to put in quite a bit of work into marketing it. If not, it's just going to just be there on your shop page and just kind of collecting dust on your digital shelf. So it's either something that I don't really have an intention to want to create an entire program or a course for, or to serve as kind of like a lead generation tool to get people back onto my home base. Um, so that's pretty much how um, the self-publishing came about. And I wanted to create a revenue stream that was out of my site that did not rely on me driving traffic. So Amazon was, you know, one of those marketplaces that had an inbuilt audience. And if you do it right, you make sure you got proper reviews, do your keywords and write a good book. Um, I was you know, I was, uh, my, my kind of hope was that um, it would kind of drive people to come and find me. And, and, but I didn't expect it to do as well as it did. So that one book after that, it kind of became a lot more. So um, yeah, that's pretty much how self-publishing began. And, and for a lot of people that ask me, okay, um, should I write a book on and self-publish it? I always ask, be very clear about what your goals are, because writing a book to as um, kind of like a networking tool or as a credibility tool is very different from if you're looking at turning that into a separate revenue stream. The energy and the effort and the resources that you would put in would be very different for, for both objectives. Absolutely. Now, one of the questions that I like to ask every one of our guests is, are there any tools that have helped you, um, you know, in your area of, of focus? So in this, we're talking about content. What email marketing tool do you use or do you recommend? I use ConvertKit. I've been with them since um, day one. So um, why I picked ConvertKit, and it was actually a pretty pricey option at that point in time. I mean, everyone was kind of going to MailChimp. Um, I am not someone who's very tech savvy. So I needed a system that was intuitive and that I could really pick up quickly. Um, and I had a vision for how I wanted to deal with my email list. And um, ConvertKit kind of fit kind of fit those um, goals. Uh, and um, it, it kind of fell into place with the vision that I had. So one of the things that I always tell people when, I, when they ask me, okay, what what tool should I pick? It really depends on your budget, the vision that you have, and whether the tool can grow with you. So I'm not looking for a tool that I see myself outgrowing in a year. I think that's, it's kind of like a self-limiting thing and you're limiting yourself. So um, yeah, ConvertKit was one of the, the best investments I've made. Mira, thank you so much uh, for, for talking with us today about email marketing, about content. Uh, your website, miracothan.com. We'll put it in the link to the, the show as well as your Instagram and Facebook accounts. Is there anything you'd like to leave in some parting words or, or a piece of advice or wisdom to our audience? Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 if email is on their radar, I would just encourage them to not get overwhelmed be re think really minimum viable and one of the things i always say is just have just three to five emails don't think about you know 60 day nurture sequences or anything of that sort just three to five emails and then just put one foot in front of the other and um, your email list i think the time that you spend there you you will not regret because relationships that you build will kind of bring you through through different stages in your business Absolutely. And if you're listening, whether you're, you're driving or you're on the gym, treadmill or whatever, make a note to go to Mira's website, sign up for the, the uh, 
year of, of content ideas that are there. There's the blog is, is very well worth reading um, and consuming that content. So thank you so much for, for being on the show. Thank you, Sean. business is hard. Those long hours, the doubt, the challenge to meet demands. But you're resilient, strong, dedicated. You do all of this for more than profits, success, or money. You do it because you care. You care about the people who shop here, eat there, drink here. You care about your community. You care about your team. Despite all else, you care. No matter what life throws your way, you power through it with grit and perseverance. You are the epitome of dedication. You are a small business owner. For this reason, Blue Cow Marketing salutes you. Looking for a CRM that's more Canadian than apologizing for apologizing? Meet Client Connector. Imagine high levels genius, now with extra Canadian politeness and a dash of maple syrup smoothness. Courtesy of Blue Cow Marketing's decade of wizardry in business automation, this is where tech meets Canadian charm. For just $97 a month, you're not buying a system. You're getting a hockey team's worth of support, minus the ice. It's all the CRM power you need with the personal touch of your favorite local diner. Ready to make your business as smooth as maple syrup and as efficient as a beaver dam? Paddle over to clientconnector.app and let's get your business saying sorry for being so awesome.